Hola, damas y caballeros, y bienvenidos al podcast de The Ringing Ear, presentado por KillBoyMusic.com, tu aliado en la cruzada contra música aburrida. Me llamo Joby, escritor y fotógrafo viviendo en Wichita, Kansas. Estoy en medios de comunicación social a Books of Job. Conmigo, como siempre, es mi cohorte, mi co-conspirador, mi co-anfitrión, Jeff Nail. Crítico musical senior la Killboring Music, escritor y contribuyente a Vice, Billboard y The Daily Beast. Nuestra meta, como es todas las semanas, es compartir con usted nuestra obsesión con música y ayuda al oyente evitar la música aburrida. Porque, Jeff, ¿qué hacemos con música aburrida? <laughs> Tot de Arschloch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Great. No, in our luck, someone's going to start. Oh, it's this podcast. I'll check this out. Why don't we start with episode 23 <laughs> and we'll see. How, oh, shit. I got a span. I don't speak Spanish. Uh, I oh, why didn't they podcast. flag this as a Spanish podcast? One star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how how are we this week, my friend? Well, I, uh, are you not going to finish your intro in Spanish? Uh, what's the matter? <laughs> I, what do you mean? What did I have to leave out? I thought I got it all. Well, no, what I do? Oh, did you get your uh, uh, captain's? Oh, no, no. I stopped short of that. I mean, because once <laughs> once there was any interaction, I was like, oh, I, I, I don't think I'm going to continue on. Okay. No, no. Well, uh, yeah, we, we're fine, actually. Um, I'm actually kind of glad to be past the funny or die thing, because for the first time ever, I felt pressure. Right about getting the show, yeah. getting the show right, and now I'm like, ah, oh, now who cares? Well, you know, the funny thing, <laughs> I didn't feel a whole lot of pressure really doing the episode so much as I did uh, putting it out because I had so many technical difficulties getting the damn thing out. That was what freaked me yeah. out. It's like, don't let us get this far and then just shoot ourselves in the foot because we can't get the damn thing out right. But and uh, you know, if we if we have any listeners out there who have their own podcast who can point us in the right, we we host ours. On Libsyn, and it is it has screwed us up at more than twice. Yeah, yeah, it has. So, and I I don't know. I, I I'm concerned a little. I, I think WordPress doesn't play nice with it either. So I think it might be a toxic combination there. Not really sure. Hey, you just uh, you just alluded to next week's episode a little bit. Oh, with toxicity. <laughs> Heads up on that. Yeah, I guess we'll well I guess we can kind of run run everybody run that by everybody at the end of the show. Let them know what's coming up. And, uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, think of, think of Jeff and I as your metaphorical captains of the international sea of, of auditory <laughs> delights. Uh, we're, we're going to let you know what you want to avoid, but we're also going to let you know what you're going to want to blast to keep your ears ringing. Uh, and yep. this is a, this is a, I, I'm really looking forward to this one. This one had, had me excited. This, this is the most excited oh, I've really? been since the country episode. Oh, okay. So, um, well, I let's see. Do we have odds and ends? Were we going to talk about? Uh, were we going to talk about that abortion of uh, of Metallica covering "When Doves Cry"? Or are we going to skip that this week? Uh, well, I mean, we should we should get to it, um, being that it's been a while since it actually posted. But uh, it's funny because I I feel like when it comes to Baby Oksana, Mister Mav. We get pushback, but with Metallica, our listeners are like, "Yep, that sucked. Thumbs down." Yep, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't even when I posted like a counterpoint, I, I wasn't even necessarily, you know, um, sympathizing with it. I was just offering it, like, "Hey, there's also this point." But just for listeners, let's catch them up. What are we talking about? Well, so Robert Trujillo and Kirk Hammett, uh, in their infinite wisdom, uh, when they were playing. <laughs> uh, 
I'm assuming it must have been the Target Center, maybe in Minneapolis, St. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Uh, they decided to, just the two of them, uh, to cover When Doves Cry by Prince, uh, playing Prince's hometown. I guess they felt inspired to, to do this. And it was uh, just terrible. Uh, Robert sang. Kirk's guitar sounded like like some used pawn shop amp with with terrible distortion. Yeah. It, it just really seemed half-baked, like they thought of it that afternoon and ran through it a couple times and we're like, yeah, let's do it. That's cool. All right. And, and it was terrible. And, and it was, and I, I don't think even they would argue that it was great. Although, although Metallica did put it up on like their own feed, you know, yeah. like this naive, this naive, like, Oh, I'll, you know, we shit gold. Right. Right. Uh, well, and I don't know the, how their uh, what the, 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 the flow of their concert is like, but James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich were nowhere to be found. So I'm not sure why they were gone. And do they take a little well, break? I'm sure they were. Yeah, I mean, and they have they have uh, short film interludes and stuff as oh, well. Oh, so. okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what to say because the, the counterpoint was we should be supportive of artists so that they can take risks. But I feel like in exchange for that freedom, we're allowed to critique it, aren't we? Well, definitely. I mean, I, I plus, I mean, on, honestly, in terms of Metallica taking risks, I think nothing can top what they did in uh, like, you know, what was that, 1999? When they put out the, the Black Album or 91. God, what year was that? God, we're old. Was that 91? You got me... Oh, definitely. It was 90, I think. 90 or 91. Yeah, that was that. That was their risk. I mean, everything since then is just gravy for them. Um, I, I feel like... Well, and Metallica, Metallica sucks a lot of the time. And I feel I feel bad that we've spent so much time at the top of the show lately shitting on stuff. But um, not only does that rendition suck, but really most people shouldn't be covering Prince. Because honestly, I didn't like it when Prince did it some of the time. It, uh, it's a really, it's really hard material to tackle. Yeah, it's almost untouchable. I mean, a few people have gotten away with it, but yeah, they, they really. I, I almost feel like it wasn't even taking a risk. It was more just maybe arrogance, you know, or or just stupidity to think that that was a good idea. I, the thing is, though, what what annoys me so much is that if they'd spent the time and actually put some thought into it, they probably could have come up with something that at least wouldn't have been terrible. It might not have been good. But it wouldn't have been that. Yeah. That was just a train wreck. I, you know, I'm, I feel bad because we've both been on stage. We've both been on stage separately and sucked separately mm-hmm. and together, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I sympathize. But at the same time, I'm like, this is your job. Like, this yeah. is, this is you know, when, when other musicians suck, it's a hobby. Yeah. This is your job. Yeah, they're they're so multimillionaires. You, you know, this is how they yeah. make their living. And this is what they chose to do. And yet, like, halfway through, it feels like Kirk Hammett forgot the song. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I'm uh, saying. Like, just half-baked. Like, they ran through it twice in their little jam room backstage. And, you know, just speaking of, you know, us sucking on stage, I once played a gig. It was actually uh, Grimoire's first gig. And uh, when, when, we, when we finished our set, you could hear a pin drop. And then some guy somewhere in, the, in the, this warehouse said, you know what, man, at least they had the balls to get up there and play. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it, man. He's not booing us. That's cool. Yeah. 
And Calvillo, Calvillo was always so brave when it came to being on stage. Because yeah. I remember our first, we did, we used to do backyard shows. I, can't, I don't think you were playing, well, maybe you were playing with us back then, so maybe you'll remember this, but we had a we had a set list, which was funny because we only had like, I don't know, seven or eight songs. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in the beginning, he's like, okay, I'll cue you in because I'm going to play a little something ahead of this. I was like, wait, what are you going to play? He's like, don't worry about it. I'll just take, I'm just, it's just going to be me. I'm like, and we're literally, you know, we're about to go on stage and he's just like, I- I'm going to do a little something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We've been practicing for weeks and weeks, but I came up with this little something today. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I was blown away by that. I was like, what the hell? And granted, it's only a backyard show, but still. Yeah. Yeah. He, he reminded me of, of, you know, you hear stories about people like, um, you know, like Jimi Hendrix or people like that who are like classically just infamously shy off stage, and then they go on stage and just turn mm-hmm. into another being. That's kind of how he was. He just had no yeah. no qualms about just letting it all out on stage for better neither, or for worse. Neither does neither does your young son. Yeah, I, I should mention that to anyone listening. I, I I apologize on behalf of my my son. He's going through some stuff. <laughs> He's he's having a traumatic experience. His teeth are coming in. Uh, if if we'd have started recording about half an hour ago, it would have just been like the worst hardcore record you ever heard. It was just him screaming nonstop. And I- or the best hardcore record. <laughs> well, uh, should we should we jump right into something? Yeah, then? we should go ahead and move along. I have got myself Besides, a, a nice huge iced coffee, and I am just so ready to just dive into this episode. So yeah, enough Metallica. Um, so, well, let's see. I've got a review reaction uh, based off the Spotify wager uh, listening to Thou, yeah. and you have a current. Okay, go for it. Let's start Be- off loud. Because, okay, this was Thou. The record is called, is it Magus? Magus? It, it's, it's Magus. Magus. Yeah. Mag- Magus, I think. Yeah. Magus. M-A-G-U-S. Now, this is a band I really didn't know anything about, but it turns out I'm kind of in the minority here. They're actually, I mean, they're not you know, mainstream or anything, but they're not a secret by any stretch. Um, and this record was kind of confounding because, you know, you, you had just assigned me Ken Mode uh, last week, and there was a third album. You said there was like a trifecta of like kind of loud, raucous albums you wanted to, to listen to. I forgot what the third one was. Was it Idols or uh, something Yeah, else? it was. Well, this one was, to me, quite the contrast to, uh, to Ken Mode and, and Idols, actually. Because yeah. this is, how can I say it? Well, I, I think they describe themselves as sludge metal. And I guess... Yeah, th- I've been thinking of it as doom. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. I, I really sometimes get sick of all the subgenres because I don't know the difference between sludge metal, doom metal, stoner rock. It's all slow kind of uh, plodding music. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. Actually, there's a lot of doom metal and, and sludgy stuff that I, I really like. Uh, but just to give listeners who have been with the show a while kind of a, a heads up as to what I thought of this, let me just uh, let you know there's fine. there's 11 tracks on this album. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, there is one song that is a minute and four seconds and another one that's 2.15, actually two that are under three minutes. Uh, interludes at best yeah, yeah and the the average length of every other song is somewhere in the neighborhood of about seven minutes um there are two this over is, this ten is half, this is half the reason i assigned this to you is because 
I wanted to see what you would do with this, the length of these tracks. I, I, the first time I put it on, um, usually the first time I listen to it, I'll listen to it on Shuffle um, on Spotify. And I, I put it on uh-huh. and it started playing. And I was kind of just, you know, I was listening to it, but I was also kind of doing some other stuff. And and I was like, after a while, I was like, good God, is this the same song? And I went back to Spotify to look at the track. I was like, oh, my God, it's not even half over. This song is 10 <laughs> minutes long. And then I so I started looking at the track listing and I was like, oh, my God, this is the opening song. Yeah. Who opens yeah. with well, a 10 did, minute did you, song? Did you? Did you get through it? I did. I did. And then I was like, okay, okay. I made it. I made this, this test of endurance. Let me go ahead and I'll write that one off. That's fine. It, it you know, it, it's not terrible. It's just uh, way too long. A little, a little slow for my taste. Next song comes on. It's nine minutes and 34 seconds. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> is this whole album like this? So then I started looking up the track listing. I was like, Oh yeah. no. <laughs> so, I mean, here's my main problem. Okay, everyone knows well, my problems with. Can I can I stop yeah, you for a second? Ahead. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to railroad you here. But I was curious if you could start with stuff that because I'm sure this will be shorter. I kind of assumed you wouldn't like it. And to be to be honest, I have mixed feelings about it uh, after revisiting it a couple of times. Um, but can you start by saying stuff you you liked about it? Really, the main things I liked about it were just the sounds. The the sound they got their production is pretty decent. I like the sounds of their instruments, like they're heavy. I like that. Um, you like the atmosphere yeah, they create? Yeah, I, I just, I, if they were to maybe, I don't know what they need to do, if they need to cut these songs in half and split them into more songs. Um, but I, one thing that also kind of ruined it for me, I, I was not a fan of of the, the vocals at all. I, I didn't really care for that's, his voice. That's, that's something I didn't like either because it lacked dynamic. It lacks dynamic where... It's really only, um, you know, like there's not a whisper, there's not a plane. It's just a, sort of a, a, a higher register scream, no matter yeah. what what part of the song we're in. And I mean, I'm not a, and, I'm not a uh, sucker for death metal vocals, but I would take you know growling over that any day of the week. Well, or or you know, give and take some of this, some of that. Right. Um, yeah. So, and I I feel I feel uh, kind of hoodwinked by this because. I uh, when I first listened to this, I loved it. I meant, man, I love it when heavy music can surprise me. And then I was I was just um, tr- doing some traveling, and I was I revisited it for a while because I was driving for many hours. And and you know, it, apparently it is a story. Like I guess I, I guess that's why it's um, on the longer side. This is doom metal. They they they're a niche sort of deal, but the niche that they belong to loves them. Yeah, and. Um, they sort of reminded me of Neurosis. Uh, oh, I mean, at least in terms of tone and, and length. But um, it's not my favorite thing uh, to take your time on something like this because, you know, they do a really good job at, at setting the scene mm-hmm. uh, or setting setting the tone, I guess, is what. But they don't, it doesn't really pay off. Yeah. Yeah. Does it? Uh, no, it, it just, it goes nowhere. Uh, f- it, that's the thing. I, I put it on that first time. I realized what I was in for for the rest of my listens, and I made my peace yeah. with it. That's okay. Um, and then I went to put it on the next time, and again, I put it on shuffle, and I couldn't tell if they were the same songs I'd already heard or if they were other songs. I, I couldn't yeah, tell well, one song from another. There's so much of it. Um, and it's, you know, it's funny. It's one of those albums where it's it's weird where I'm like, 
how how did I lose my my mojo for this? Because when I first listened to it, I was I was just completely in love, and now now I'm not. What happened? And I I can't figure it out. Uh, oh, by the way, this this band is getting a lot of press lately. Um, Lars Godrich, who writes for NPR Music, who's I love that guy because he he tends to cover you know, the, the louder end of the spectrum. And I always love it when he makes appearances and all, all songs considered. But, um, like, even he got some ink about them written on NPR. Oh, wow. And uh, as much as I love NPR covering covering the, the, the darker, louder, you know, end of the spectrum, uh, I, I wish I loved this as much as other people seem to. Yeah. One of my uh, go-to terms, I'm surprised no one has really uh, called me out on yet. I always mention uh, bands with a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that is whenever I say that, I don't necessarily mean the tempo. I don't mean that it's necessarily upbeat or fast or anything. And since I'm, I'm not a drummer and I don't really know a lot about the drums other than just knowing what I like, you know, when I hear it, I don't really know if I'm explaining it the right way. And I don't know if you understand, you know, what I'm saying maybe as a drummer you can interpret there's just a Mm -hmm. certain sense a certain quality drummers have or what i consider to be good drummers where they they propel the music even if it's not fast and to me this this lacked that does that make sense uh yes actually um i was i was you know at, at some point on my road trip i had plenty of time to listen uh, and, 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 you know, I, I'd start to zone out. So I, so, and when I do that, I tend to lock on to one particular part of the track and, uh, commonly it's the music, it's the, it's the instrumentation. And because I'm a drummer, I tend to go for drums and, and I was listening to that guy and I, and I'm thinking, well, this is completely competent, but it also sounds like he could fall asleep at any moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I guess I was projecting because when every time I've played in a band, I want to be in one that moves. And I and I think I get your your, when you say a sense of urgency, it it has more to do with intent, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, like these guys aren't in a hurry, and I get it that they're telling a story, and it's almost akin to an uh, not operatic, a symphonic kind of approach to music. It's it's very laid out and. uh, over over long periods of time and everything, but I just don't know how they stay engaged because it's not like the timing is complicated. The cues aren't terribly sharp, right? Um, so, and and I also need to. Uh, uh, this is one another one of those albums, uh, unlike Ice Age, where I was like, this is not as good as people say. 
this is kind of something that's so dense uh, and 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 there's so much going on that I will just go, you know what, maybe this isn't for me or maybe not right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, maybe my ADD is kicking in. Maybe this has something to do with my age. Uh, but but this is I'm I'm not quite there on stuff like this at the moment. Yeah. So that's all. Okay. Well, that yeah, and that it, makes it, sense. With heavy music, it's it's more fun to be heavy, and like you say, have a sense of urgency. And I, I you know, yeah, they're telling. I guess they're. I, I meant to look it up. Um, where I guess Magus Magus, there's there's a story to be told there, and I, I can't even remember what it was. It's like the Iliad or something, you know. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and I don't know what, but you know, sometimes most of the time, I don't I don't want a story. I just want a, a good song, right? Or you know something with a fabric that I appreciate. And, and I guess I do since sort of appreciate what these guys are doing, but uh, it's not always easy. And may, maybe that says more about me than it does them. Could be. I mean, I, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, like I said, there is some doom metal and then stoner rock and whatever out there that I like, but yeah, this is, uh, this is beyond my, beyond my comfort zone. You're going to see this on a lot of year end lists. Okay. FYI. Do you think that there that people putting this on their lists really feel that strongly about it, or do you think it's something? There's some kind of cool factor to picking a noisy band with ten minute songs. I do think that there's a, a certain mob mentality that that goes through all of music criticism, um, only because it's so subjective and it can be it can be so so difficult to defend sort of a divergent opinion, but. Um, but and but I yeah like you said I do think that that bands with a sort of a I don't know a brainier approach where they they need ten minutes to get their songs out because they're so they're so complicated and or something I I do think that the bands like this get a break yeah uh, and and I'll say you know thou thou is a seems to be doing they're so prolific and and they seem to be doing something people like um, I still say like and I say this about just about everybody. Tighten your shit up, dude. Yep. <laughs> yeah. See, I tighten, I, <laughs> tighten your shit. Up. I, I picture being like I. I always thought it would be fun to be like an engineer or a producer or something if I couldn't make it, you know, as a band a musician myself. But I, yeah. I picture myself in a studio with these guys, and they're and they're they're telling me, you know, we we just need we need ten minutes to tell this story and to get this this song out, and I'll just look at them like, do yeah. you though? Uh, I'll give you four and a half. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, <laughs> producer Joby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could just hear you like shouting through the glass, like, "Cut the last thirty measures." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not too far from the truth. I tell you what. Well, uh, I've got something a little lighter for you. All right. Um, I came across an article a few weeks ago about De La Soul, and I was I was like. It was like the New York Times. It was like, what the, why, why is why is anyone writing about De La Soul, much less in the New York Times? And I guess they had this whole thing going on over the past couple of years where, you know, they were they were on Tommy Boy. Remember Tommy Boy Records? Oh yeah, yeah. Back in the day when when they were uh, sort of a hit, and you know, I can remember even even as as late as the mid to late nineties, they had records out that people were buying. Um, and, uh, but I guess, uh, Tommy boy went under and their, their publishing or, or whatever went to Warner brothers and, uh, De La Soul's records are not available. They're not streamable. Uh, I guess, I guess you could purchase them. I, although I didn't actually check. Uh, but 
I guess De La Soul was trying to work this out for a number of years with Warner Brothers and and continue to fail. And yeah, I like I'm looking for their albums right now. Like it's not there. It's not on iTunes. You can't buy, uh, you know, three three feet high and rising from 1989. Um, so I don't know how they got away with this, but they just like sent their entire disc- discography, like master tapes, kind of level stuff, to to people on their mailing list. Like here you go, here's our stuff. Oh, nice. Spread the word. And and I, I don't know how much trouble they got into for that, um, but. Uh, I, I do know that in order to continue making albums, they needed the help of a Kickstarter campaign, uh, which was successful, actually. Um, I think they raised about 600 grand. Uh, not bad, really, if you think about yeah. it. I mean, shit, I can make, make a record for you know, <laughs> much less than that. <laughs> and, uh, and they created this album called um, uh, And the Anonymous Nobody, which came out two years ago. And it's it's a it's a trip of a record. It's not even all good, uh, but the and it's a, it's a sprawling album. Uh, it's like twenty tracks or something. Oh, sixteen. Uh, still pretty long, mm-hmm. and it's entirely without samples because I guess that's just they couldn't afford it or something. I don't know. Uh, so so what they did was they brought in I guess maybe members of their own touring band, uh, friends and family. Uh, and they jammed and created beats for an extended period of time, like two, like 200 hours worth. Can you imagine having 200 wow. hours of demo tape? My God. And and then when they had these songs all laid out, their parts and the music and everything, uh, they started reaching out to other people to guest on them. Uh, Willie Nelson said no. <laughs> <laughs> and Axl Rose, as you can imagine, said no. Uh, but many other people said yes. Uh, David Burden said yes from The Talking Heads. Uh, Pete Rock, uh, Justin Hawkins from the from the Darkness said yes. Usher appears on this album. Two Chains does, and uh, I'm gonna play a track called "Here and After," which features uh, Damon Albarn. Uh, but you can imagine why he showed up because uh, I guess De La Soul has been. Um, I, I guess I'd forgotten this, but De La Soul's been involved with Gorillas off and on for for a number of years. Uh, wow. So this album is like it's it's loose. It's uh, oddly contemplative for a hip hop record, uh, even a little sad sometimes. Like there's some late career Bowie in the mix in this track, as far as I can tell. But it's fun. Like even the tracks that don't hit, you can tell they're having a good time, uh, and I, I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Cause we're still here now. trying to waste this took a long time crying crying ain't a crime i got my mom she passed away my daddy ain't alive before they murdered fudge i crave for more time had y'all on my mind all week i missed the last they say a better tomorrow it's the sacrifice the cat keep that cow in the pasture knife in the drawer it's been a long 40 days it's gonna take 40 more make it through losing love sort of like rock fuel i made the limits i thought that i'd run the gas out Space is vacant now and I need that energy Facing reflections of flesh, I should be thankful 
yeah, that's uh, De La Soul, Here and After, with Damon, Damon Albarn. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I think that song is, it may not be the record, but it's close to the record for me uh, of the fastest a song has ever turned me around. Um, because oh. the very, very beginning, I was like, okay, yeah, sure, it's fine, whatever. Uh, but within, like, you know, 30 seconds or so, I was like, that's that's live drums. Yeah, like, wait a yeah, minute. it's all live. And that kind of got my attention, and then I started listening a little closer, and by the end of the song, I was like, hey, this is pretty good. I like this. So, I uh, yeah, I really did a, like, kind of a 180 on that from start to finish. Uh, so, is this album then, available on, like, Spotify and whatnot, or... It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's. I thought it was brand new because I just came across this article, but it's uh, it's two years old. And you know, I don't know how I fall on because we were just talking about the Judgment Night soundtrack from 1993. Right. You and I. Uh, you put that article up on Facebook, right? Yeah. And it it really is you know more nostalgia than anything I think for me, but it still was a very interesting idea to to actually see the light of day where you've got sort of more undergrounds, you know, alternative rock music mixed with hip hop. And, and in 1993, very mixed feelings about hip hop, you mm-hmm. know, by the greater populace. And uh, and it, that kind of thing just feels dangerous. And it was pretty hit or miss, that particular soundtrack. But here we are again with collaborative hip hop musicians and rock musicians and and pop musicians. You know, it's it's it's. Um, it's weird that any of it works. Yeah. And and yet when it does, it's so it it's so uh satisfying. Well, that's what's what I was trying to uh to say to my friend Eric who commented, shout out to Eric, uh cuz he was saying he didn't remember it being too good and you know, it was the kind of thing it was probably a, a better idea on paper than it was once they executed it like by and large, but the yeah. ones that worked really worked. I mean, it, there were some, I, I don't know, yeah. maybe what, four, four or five songs on there that are yeah, just really yeah. awesome. I always, I always loved the Dinosaur Jr. Dell track. Uh, I never minded the Pearl Jam track. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I thought it was actually telling that Eddie Vedder's not on that track because someone in, in, the, in that piece that you posted even said, yeah, he didn't show up that day. I don't know what the fuck his problem was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, of course, the Helmet House of Pain track was great. We've listened to that on the show before. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, and I don't know what the problem is cause I've heard plenty of, of tracks where there's a rock band and, and someone doing rhyming and, and it's, it's so rare that they ever meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, and I always sort of blamed it on the hip hop artists where it doesn't seem like they bend, but then I'm like, well, if I was a rock band, I don't know what I would do, you know, it, it's to create. You know, it's interesting because I've always noticed this and it's not just with rock and rap. I mean, it's it's a lot with a lot of uh, mixing of, of genres. Whenever a rock band has someone, you know, rap with them, like if it's a rock rap band or it's a, you know, like a collaboration, it never seems to quite work right. It seems like the rapping doesn't quite fit with the music. And yet at the same yeah. time, when rappers decide they want to try to kind of rock it up a little bit, they'll do it with their own band. And the music never yeah. quite rocks enough. Like it sounds like, it always sounds to me like studio musicians who know how to play rock, but they don't really play rock. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just never sounds so. quite right. And it's it's yeah, really it shouldn't I, I, be I so totally hard. Agree with that. But in but in this case, De La Soul on that track, mm-hmm. I mean they're they're definitely stretching. 
Uh, and they're even breaking my cardinal rule for for hip hop guys where you don't fucking sing, right? <laughs> and, and and they they are they're harmonizing on this track, and it it turns out really really well. I I uh, am so, really really curious how many hip hop artists, hip hop groups, hip hop bands even could pass that test of writing an album with no samples. I, I think it's a tall order, but I'm glad that De La Soul tried, yeah. and I think more more ought to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I would love to challenge bands to do that. That should be something like a mandatory, uh, a mandatory thing every hip hop artist has to do once in their career. You have to make your your no sample album yeah. now. Yeah, and I think a lot of hip hop music today is, isn't even being made on turntables. It's just being made on a computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, you know, sometimes I go, well, you're old. That's why you don't like this. Shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then other times I think, well, it is different. So, uh, you know, I think it's okay to be critical of of computer music a lot of the time. You know, let me get this straight. You wrote a song and you didn't use one instrument, nothing, nothing acoustic, nothing you plug in beyond this. You know, I just feel like uh, sometimes it's cool to to do stuff on the computer, but it's also good to mix it up with uh, other stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on, eh? Yeah, that was that was a good choice. I like that. I'm glad you brought that one. All right, we are traveling the globe. To, uh, set us we up. We are yes, spanning the globe. Uh, that brings us to the elephant in the room. Uh, a hopefully thought provoking topic, and this week maybe some music that uh, people are not entirely familiar with. Uh, the elephant in the room this week is world music, and uh, like I said at the top, I really enjoyed this. I. Um, I had a little bit of uh, I, I hesitated on a couple of things here and there, uh, whether or not to include them on my list or, or whatever. But uh, I really immersed myself and I hadn't really anticipated that. Um, and like the country episode, I, I really fell in, in love with some of that music I was listening to. And a little of it yeah. was just reminiscent because I remembered hearing it. This was not really reminiscent at all. Uh, it was more just discovery. And, and that was that was beautiful. So. I, cool. I'm already so excited to hear this Spotify playlist once the show is over. I'm, I'm sure I'll be listening to it quite often. Um, but how did this how did this seem for you? How was this one for you to tackle? You know, I, I actually it was pretty easy because uh, there's a couple of songs on my list that I, I thought of immediately. And then I had to sort of quibble with with my with one of them. But, you know, I found the biggest problem to be I, I was at first going to approach this and go, well, no Western influences. And then I start to realize that some of my favorite international tracks, that's, you know, I, I guess I defined it as uh, Southern Hemisphere minus Australia and Northern Hemisphere minus anybody white. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, uh, so Middle East, uh, anything from Asia, you know, et cetera. Um, but, then, but then some of my favorite stuff has Western influences, so I had to let them in. Well, I'm I'm really glad you said that. You kind of read my mind because uh, initially, I mean, I wasn't I didn't have any real quota as to what I wanted to play. But in my head, I thought, well, you know, I think it would be neat to have some sort of uh, some, you know, Eastern Asian music, something maybe, you know, from Japan or something. And I I realized that it's aside from going back to like the 18th century, it's hard to find any Japanese music that hasn't been influenced by Western culture. Right. And um, I mean, there's a song I've been kind of sitting on a, a song that I wanted to play as a current that I almost squeezed on here. Uh, but it's a punk song. It's a Japanese punk song. And I'm like, well, that's not really world music. You know, that's but then you know, yeah. there's like Japanese. There's a whole rockabilly scene in Japan. There, there's all kinds of Western yeah. stuff. And then uh, that actually ties right into my number three. 
because that was when I finally kind of had to make some peace with, well, there's going to be some Western influence one way or another. Um, yeah. And, you know, I ran into some trouble because I realized that some of my picks sort of fall into stuff white people like. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what I uh -huh. mean? Like there's a number of international acts for lack of. And by the way, kind of a misnomer slash anachronism anyway, isn't it? With the world music as though as though, you know, say the music we listen, usually listen to isn't from this world. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. What countries are you talking here? What regions? Um, well, my number one is, uh, well, it's a Cuban artist, but I will touch on their uh, their homeland uh, when we get to it. Okay. Uh, number two is from Mali. And uh, number three is an interesting one because it's, uh, it's Mexico by way of Ireland. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I've got... Um... I've got Argentina, and then I have two from the continent of Africa. So, okay. uh, would you like to start, or should um, I? I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, okay. I, I I have a feeling this may be the most uh, well known group uh, that either of us are going to feature um, because yeah. they've been featured uh, on a lot of uh, movies and TV shows at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. And at first listen, if you don't know them or haven't heard them before, at first listen, you may not think there's anything, you know, too uh, American or Western about them. But the more you listen, it becomes apparent. Uh, this is, like I said, they're Mexico City uh, by way of Dublin, Ireland, uh, guitar duo Rodrigo y Gabriela, uh, which kind of inspired they're, my they're, intro. They're via, sorry, they're via Ireland? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, they have a real interesting story. So what happened, uh, Rodrigo is a total metalhead. Uh, but he also, you know, grew up in Mexico. He studied, you know, he knows how to play the flamenco style guitar and whatnot. Uh, he couldn't make yeah. it as a, a metal metal band. Uh, he had a band that kind of, I don't know if what happened. They fell apart. He met Gabriela. I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if they're a couple or not. They probably were at one point if they're not now. But uh, mm. they started doing their their thing. And they decided to move down. I think they moved down to, uh, to um, like, oh, crap, what's that area? where Sammy Hagar has the island where he's like Jimmy Buffett <laughs> in Baja. Is it Baja? Okay. Yeah. They went down to, to like that resort area, coastal area, and they started getting gigs okay. in uh, hotels and they played so much that they ran out of material because they weren't writing fast enough to keep up with all their gigs. And so uh -huh. they would just play, you know, whatever they thought of. And, uh, he, I read an interview with Rodrigo where he mentioned that people would hire them based on what they had heard them playing you know, in the hotel lobby, just, you know, in passing one day. And they yeah. would describe to him like, Hey, can you, you know, I want you to play this song that you were playing that I heard yesterday or, you know, whatever. And he would listen to them, describe it to figure out what they're talking about and realize that they were talking about like South of heaven or something that he had just kind of made oh. acoustic, like he arranged it <laughs> acoustic. So there's yeah. a big metal influence on them. It's not necessarily apparent on every track, but uh, they, they cover Metallica, they cover, uh, a few different, um, I think th some thrash bands, they, they, they really wear their, their influences on their sleeve. But, uh, after not really making it on that circuit either, they traveled for a while and somehow just landed in Dublin and decided to call that home for about eight years. And, uh, they hmm. played clubs and they were, uh, they were playing on street corners, just, you know, getting by and they managed to get a following and uh, get some attention. And that's, that's where they really got their break. That's where they got their first record deal and started getting, getting opening gigs for other acts. And before long, they were, you know, kind of breaking through. They played on Letterman, I think for the first time on that first or second record, I forget now, which, uh, yeah. but uh, I, I didn't really go through their whole catalog much to find 
you know, something less well-known. So if people have heard of them, they're going to know this song because it's been on, I think it may have been on, uh, I want to say Breaking Bad, but it might have been a different song that was on Breaking Bad. Now, I'm not sure. Uh, but okay. that music was also on even the animated uh, movie Puss in Boots. That stupid cat, you know, uh, Antonio oh, Banderas. that makes sense. Um, yeah. But the song I'm going with is one of the first songs I ever heard by them that really just kind of set me, you know, on their path. It's a song called Diablo Rojo. Uh, and Red Devil. What's interesting, um, for people who don't know, um, Gabriella, she plays the guitar, of course, but... She also handles all the percussion. So anything you hear that sounds hmm. like drumming is her banging on her guitar uh, in various, oh, right. various ways. So it gives them a little bit more, a little fuller sound than just, you know, two guitars. And that makes it a little more aggressive, a little more, uh, just kind of catches your ear a little more, I think. You know, I, I'll say two things before we play it, if you don't mind. I, I, I The interesting thing, I was just thinking back, I'm like, okay, so their first record came out in 02. Uh, I'm sorry, not thinking back. I was looking this up while you were talking. But their 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 breakthrough came out in 06, and I was, I was thinking, you know, I think this is one of the first musical acts I ever discovered strictly off of social media. Mm-hmm. Like I I, I want to say like back in the in the MySpace days, Rodrigo and Gabriella made the rounds, and I'd never heard of them. Uh, and, but my memory from back then is that they were that they were boring. <laughs> so I'll see uh, I'll see if that verdict still stands. Uh, what's this called? Oh yeah, Red Devil. Yep. Diablo. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I don't think you have to be a musician, although it helps, uh, I'm sure, but to hear his metal roots in there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, you could easily see how... Then That's an original, right? Not a, yeah, not yeah, a cover. Yeah, that's an original. Yeah, you could hear Thrash uh, under the skin there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and according to this, they're doing uh, pretty well. Oh, they, they did date, actually, but they broke up in 2012. And uh, they, so they split up personally, but they stayed together creatively. And um, uh, but I thought uh, then I looked up and I said, uh, I can't talk today. They, it says here they collaborated with Hans Zimmer on the one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And I went, oh, well, they're making plenty of money. then, Right. They? Yeah. That's why they haven't made an album since like, what, 2015, 2014. I, I don't. E- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're in a hurry. Yeah. Well, you know, there's <laughs> been a, maybe a, a handful of concerts that have come around Wichita way since I moved here that I regret miss uh, missing. And that. Uh, that's that's one of them. They played not here in Wichita, but a town about an hour and a half away. And I mm. really wish I'd have gone to that. That's up there with, you know, kind of not necessarily bucket list, but close. Someone I really would like to see live. Oh, OK. You know who has seen them uh, is uh, President Barack Obama. Ah, <laughs> 
apparently they they performed at the White House in 2010. So that how do you like that? Yeah, I think they have pretty much reached the the pinnacle. Now they did put out an album. Uh, I think their last studio album or the one before it. They actually got mm-hmm. backing musicians, and it was uh, not not really uh, met with 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 acclaim it was kind of a mixed bag and i i've only listened to a song or two off of it and i i thought it was a a misstep they really should have just stuck to what they were doing in my opinion but then again at the same time how long can you ride that train at some point you've got to change it up i guess don't you or do you i think you have to try yeah And, and i know this sort of flies in the face of other times we've talked recently about you know taking risks right (laughs) i I, I still think it's good that they that that uh, artists take risks, even if it doesn't work out. Yeah, and you know? sometimes I think I, I feel like fans are a little harsh, which again is just totally contradicting what we said about Metallica. But I mean, this is a completely <laughs> well, different case. We were talking more. We were talking more about their performance. Yeah, and the fact that it was just uh, a half baked yeah. idea. Yeah, I I don't I, well. Yeah, I guess that I do feel a little hypocritical here, but I, I do feel like they're different. Maybe not. I, I, I kind of, like I said, I, I hesitated because I felt like that almost wasn't exotic enough for a world music episode. Uh, but yeah, that was when I started to realize it's really harder than I thought to find music that has no Western influence at all. It's true. Yeah. I, and and I, I think um, my first pick is, is certainly no different. Uh, my number three is... From an Argentinian band called Los uh, Los Fabulosos Cadillacs. Are you familiar? You know, I I don't know what it is. That name sounds familiar, but I'm not sure if it's the band I'm I'm thinking of. What what type of so music is it? They are a real eclectic mix. Um, I think they're one of those bands of memory serves that from time to time they would really their membership would bloat. <laughs> you ah. know, there would there would be like twelve or thirteen guys on stage or something. Um, but I think they're, they're a five piece at their core and they're, they're actually kind of like the South American clash in a sense, because they've, they adopt so many different, uh, genres and, and I guess primarily you call it like rock, ska, reggae, maybe a little rap, some samba in the mix. Um, and I'm going to play a song for you that you probably know. And I've always loved this song. And I feel again, it's like, well, this is shit white people like, <laughs> you know, like this song, this song was even featured in a John Cusack movie. <laughs> so, uh, but, but like you take this song that I'll play for you, you're not going to find anything like it on the rest of their discography. Not anything as far as I can remember. Uh, a real, real, uh, like sharp turns as often as possible. And I don't know how they do it because I've tried to listen to them uh, on a number of occasions. Like, oh, I'm going to listen to this album by Los Fabulosos Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. And it's like you get whiplash, you know, because they, they switch it up so often. Um, so I'm going to play a song for you about a killer, and it's called uh, Matador. Viento de libertad, sangre combativa.
Matador. I actually, I, it's funny how how I said it. Literally, I'm like, it's about a killer. It's called Matador, which literally means killer in Spanish. <laughs> hey, is that uh, is that from the movie Gross Point Blank? <laughs> yes, I, it sure is. Oh, I knew it. And when you said John Cusack, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, and this was playing. I was like, oh my god, it's Gross Point Blank. Yeah, I used to love that soundtrack. I really did. Such a such a good goddamn movie. Too. Yeah. And I mean, the soundtrack was so, so eclectic. Fun. It had so much stuff on it. It had ska on it. Oh, it was great. Well, yeah, it actually had, um, I want to say, um, uh, Rudy Can't Fail. Yeah. Had, it was on there too. So I was just thinking The Clash because honestly, these guys are like The Clash, but in, in, in some ways they're better because they're looser. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it, everything about them feels so effortless. That's uh, and that's one thing I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen bands sort of like this on stage before, you know, Latin bands where big ensemble kind of bands. And uh they always remind me of of I don't know, like Tower of Power. Or, you know, it's funny like sometimes the bigger bands get the most practice and and so their performances feel so effortless. Yeah, yeah. Uh so I I just love this. And this is I used to do when I was in the classroom, I used to use songs like this to play for my students as a as a writing warm up. And uh and this song I would play every year and every time I would end up <laughs> like dancing to it <laughs> and just and distracting them because uh it's just so it's it's just so addictive. It's like uh yeah, I just uh I just couldn't listen to it and not move. You know, you want to hear a quick uh, just a real real quick aside about Gross Point Blank. Mini Driver's yeah. character was a DJ. Do you remember at the radio yeah. station and there was a clip where he was going to the station to say hi to her or, or whatever, and she was, you know, doing her little thing, saying, and you know, that was whatever. I think it was. I think in the movie they might have played the Clash or the Specials or something, and and then she said, yeah. before that we had Public Enemy, and before that, and she listed off like three or four seemingly totally unrelated artists, and I just remember yeah, you're thinking, like, this is the best DJ who's ever lived. I was like, God, that's like that's the dream, man. If there, if only there was really a station who played that much stuff, that big of a variety, wouldn't that be amazing? Because at the t- it would be, and but but every time those radio stations exist, they get uh, they fail. Well, the the one I was like a, a, a kind of alluding to though is KEXP. Because they will play. Yeah, that's that's a that's a listener funded situation. I, I was I guess I was talking the more traditional. Well, see, yeah, situation. I couldn't remember I, if she was on. Was she, I, I didn't remember if she was on a public station or not. I, for some reason, no, I was I thinking know. it was that's like the college point. station, but I, that would be dumb. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that is a great movie, man. Yeah. If anybody hasn't seen that, you really are, you really owe it to yourself to go check that out. I'd be willing to bet that's the last good. Uh, that's the last good movie John, uh, Dan Aykroyd was in. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet you're right. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I will. So. I would bet you're 100 correct on that. Anywho, uh, what do you got next? Well, uh, from Argentina, we are going to the reaches of the Sahara Desert. Um, and I mentioned KEXP. Actually, that is who I owe uh, this to. This is how I found this this group. Um, they actually formed in Algeria, but uh, moved back to their homeland of Mali uh, in the 90s. Uh, it's a band called Tenari Win, and uh, they're kind of... Joby, Joby, have we ever had crossover? I don't... Have we ever had the same artist on the same lists? I don't think so. I think we've had, you know, some also rands that were the same, but not... Because uh... today's the day. Oh, shit. Today's Mark the day. Your number everybody. two is Tenari Win. Yes, my my number two is Tenari. Everyone, Wynn. take a drink. 
<laughs> uh, hashtag shit white people like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I saw them on KEXP, I mean, well, for one thing, they're visually kind of striking because they were wearing the Saharan, you know, garb, you know, com- covered almost from head to toe with only their... Oh, so you're you're watching their their in studio footage, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, and okay. uh, and it it was it, that just got my attention right off the bat. And then what really struck me is just they they were such an odd, well, not odd, I guess, but just a uh, kind of a riveting combination because their music you can hear the blues in it. It's kind of got mm-hmm. a blues bass, but then with with the vocals, I, I'm not even entirely sure what language they're they're singing in, uh, but it's not. It's not uh, not a language you instantly recognize. You know, it's not like Spanish it's, or um, French or yeah, like you said. There, it's sort of like southwestern Libya, South Algeria, Niger, Mali. Like they're they're essentially a Saharan band. Yeah, and the language I'm pretty sure is uh, uh, is a tribal language called Tareg, uh, T A U R E G, and. Um, yeah, it's 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 hypnotic stuff. Yeah. It's not uh, like, you know, I, I was just thinking about I'm still thinking dynamic because we're <laughs> going back to thou. Um, but I'm like, you know, this is when I first heard them, I thought, oh, no, they, they lack dynamic. But no, their dynamic is hypnosis in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, but you're right there. There's definitely a southern uh, black music uh you know, influence to their music. And I guess at some point in my re- my research of these guys, uh, they had actually used traditional imp- instruments, lutes and whatnot. And uh, and at some point they just abandoned that and, and found, you know, sort of Western instruments, uh, stringed instruments. And and uh, another thing I didn't know is that uh, they're kind of a political band. Oh, uh, did you catch that as much? No, I, I really didn't. Well, the only thing I really found out about them uh, was that they're a bit of a a bit of a collective that they have almost like a rotating cast of members. Like each record features oh. different members. I think there are a few who might be on every Four. album. Um, but yeah. I mean, they started in the seventies and the founding member has died. And I think their main vocalist uh, from back then has died. So it's just kind of an ever, it's like uh, just an evolving cast of characters well they're they're part of a a nomadic sort of existed or their tribe the Targ people are kind of nomadic but um i I guess uh a lot of their stuff is about um exile repression sovereignty and uh and it's subversive enough in in uh, their region that they're they've been banned they've been outlawed in mali and algeria oh wow uh, which I did not know until just uh, yesterday. Huh. Interesting. So what song are you talking here? Well, since so many of the songs had that kind of a blues uh, vibe and blues influence, I, I tried to find something that was a little less uh, blues. Again, you know, I, I was trying to be a purist and not like have too much Western influence. So I found a, a ballad or mm-hmm. a, an acoustic song, folksier number, and I'm going to absolutely slaughter this song title, uh, but I'm going to pronounce it Isweg Ate. I don't, I don't mm. know if that's right, and I don't know if you're able to find it off the way I pronounced it or not. Um, <laughs> it looks like it's not on the album that I was going to share from, so at least we've separated okay, ourselves and I, there. I didn't even think to check <laughs> if it's on Spotify or not. I hope it is. It looks like it is. Okay, excellent.
That's actually more sort of intimate than I've ever heard them. This is off of a, an album called Tassili, which I've never heard. It came out, I guess, in uh, 2011. Um, yeah, I mean, that's actually a, a pretty different sound from the stuff I'm used to from them. Yeah, yeah. Everything else I, I heard and what I had seen on KXP, like I said, it was just almost like a bluesy vibe sort of with that, you know, kind of African influence but yeah that really yeah. that was kind of haunting I, the video has uh, the lyrics translated but i i haven't watched it enough times to remember what it's what it's about exactly but if you want to know <laughs> you can check it out on youtube well i actually have a song from them to play called claire Achel, and uh that's two words claire and then Achel. i can't remember what they mean um i did look up the lyrics though unfortunately they didn't use the title in the lyrics i don't know what claire Achel means uh, but I, I read enough to know that this is actually sort of a heartbreak song uh, about wandering the desert and only thinking of her. <laughs> Shell, uh, yeah, and that's that. To me, I, all their music is, in my mind, sounds exactly like that. That's why I'm so glad that you picked something different, so we could sort of see the spectrum. Yeah, you know, I do, I do like their sound and I like their music, but after a while, it does sort of run together a little bit. It's kind of a one note sound. So yeah, yeah, and like, oh, I've actually seen them. <laughs> wasn't I just Not, talking the other? Wasn't I just talking last week, the week before, about like I'm sure there are bands we talked about, and I've completely forgotten that I'd seen them. I caught this one. Now, how do you just happen <laughs> to see Tanari when? Well, if you can, I mean, the, the only way, unless you're going out of your way, the only way you're going to happen to see this band is by going to a festival. And uh, in 2012, I went on my last pilgrimage to the festival known as Coachella. And uh, I, I went for only one reason, because Refused had gotten back together and they were doing their first performances in like 18 years at Coachella. And so, um, but Ternariwen was playing uh, like in the daytime and I watched their entire set and it was, uh, it was, it was pretty hypnotic. And 
and, and but, you know, I actually remember them being kind of reserved and sort of standoffish. You know, they just sort of stood there and played their instruments. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, they were prompting the audience when to clap and uh, and, and giving us lyrics that we could sing, uh, you know, as a, as a chorus. And uh, it was actually really fun. I remember thinking at the time, I'm so glad I caught these guys because uh, it, it just felt uh, enriching to be to be there for it. Were, so. were they wearing their uh, like their Saharan garb? Yeah, well, and, and you can imagine they're in the the deserts of India. <laughs> it probably it probably felt like winter, right? <laughs> to them, well, know? some of the uh, artwork or cover or some of the photos I've seen of them, they aren't wearing all that, and I don't I didn't know if it was a, a certain change they decided to make at some point where you know from that point afterwards they no longer wore that or if it was just depending on their mood it or was, it, it was a mix i think i think most of the guys weren't covered all the way to the top but there was one or two guys that definitely were uh-huh. uh you know everything from from the head to the toes uh the only thing uh, exposed was like nose and toes <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure how that works in the heat of the Sahara, but apparently it does. I'd I'd be lying if I said it didn't uh, please me a little bit to know how much that must bother some people to see a band that looks like that. <laughs> yes, fucking terrorists. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so ah, I guess we're fast forwarding then because we're our number two. We still got two songs in by by the same band. I guess we're moving right along. Wow, to number look at one. us talk about yeah. keeping it punchy. Um, well, my number one, oddly enough. Uh, it was the first thing I thought of, it, it, the first country, the first genre I thought of. Uh, and yet, oddly enough, I owe a lot of what I know about this style of music to uh, America and Western artists. Um, okay. About maybe six months ago, maybe a little longer, uh, my wife and I started watching Dexter on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, it's set in Miami. And so it features a lot of uh, Cuban music. And uh, every time I hear it, I think, man, that is so cool. I, I, you know, it's one of those things where I, I don't know why I never bothered to explore it. You know, like I, every time I heard it, I liked it, but I never went out of my way to listen to it. Yeah. Um, Cubano, Cubano. I I always end up calling it Cubano because it sounds, it sounds cooler to say it than Cuban music. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I do think that that's been a name that they use, they've used as a genre, Cubano music. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, um, I'll take that over just about anything else from that region of the world. Cuban music is, is somehow so superior. Well, everything (laughs) I, everything I found referred to it as Afro Cuban. So I don't know what, I don't know where, if that's splitting hairs or what, if there's a real significant differences in any of that. I bet there's significant influences one way or the other. Yeah. Well, um, the other, the other, uh, Western influence that led me that direction uh, actually goes back farther. Uh, does, does the name Ry Cooter mean anything to you? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, Ry Cooter, you know, he as a, a very uh, uh, established guitarist, uh, he had some some success in the '70s and in the '80s. But uh, once he kind of found success, he kind of devoted himself to, well, world music, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, he's played with Cuban artists, African artists. Uh, he's also the one behind what I assume to be probably the best known Cuban. Uh, band or a Cuban uh, record, at least anyway, an initial Buena album. Vista. Yeah, the Buena Vista yeah. Social Club. Um, he he, I think played a little bit on the record, but he produced it. Kind of gathered the musicians for that. 
Yeah, um, he's all over the documentary too, I think. And you know, the reason I even know who Ryan Cooter is is because he played the guitar for Ralph Macchio in the movie Crossroads. Do you remember that movie? Did he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He was... He wow. Was... I, I just I just know Ry Cooter mostly as uh, someone who scores movies a lot of his time. Oh, right, right. Yeah, he was he was Ralph Macchio's uh, guitar. Uh, and, I man, wow. I loved that movie so much. I can't even yeah. tell you how many times I saw that movie. Yeah, and the, with friggin' Steve Vai in the last, yeah. or the pen, the ultimate scene. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious <laughs> that he couldn't play, you know, the classical stuff. That just cracked me up. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that led me to Cuban music. Uh, specifically, I was kind of looking at Cuban, you know, jazz uh, style music. And I tell you what, once I opened that can of worms, I did not want to crawl out. I mm-hmm. I found so much good music. And I'll be honest, addictive, this, huh? addictive, it addictive is. Stuff. And I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I can tell you, oh, this artist from that artist from that artist. I mean, I've come to know a handful of them just from this past week. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I don't know. The the best known is uh, Tito Puente, uh, of, of which you know, is kind of a household name. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Every time I think of Tito Puente, I think of him in The Simpsons. there was an episode where he was actually in it anyway so you say tito puente and in my mind i see a drawing (laughs) right right well you know there's actually a wide spectrum of uh, of jazz the afro-cuban or cuban latin jazz whatever you want to call it it's as varied Mm -hmm. as american jazz really there's big band sounding stuff there's at this point now there's you know like smooth jazz and groove jazz there's the the fast, you know, kind of whatever bebop, you know, jazz. It, mm-hmm. uh, like Charlie Parker uh, collaborated with an uh, kind of one of the originators uh, of it called Machito. Uh, they collaborated on a few albums together. Um, you know, a lot of Western, you know, jazz artists have played with Cuban artists. But my, then my, but then there's the big band Cuban stuff where it's right. just these piercing horns. You know, it's like yeah. twenty of them at a time. It sounds like yeah. <laughs> And what I wanted to do, since I didn't know a whole lot about any of the artists, um, what I wanted to do was just try and find a song that just embodied what I like about all of the Cuban music that I was hearing. Um, Can't wait to hear what this is. I mean, it's all it's all so addictive and it's all got good things. I actually had a hard time. I felt like Buena Vista Social Club was too mainstream. I felt like I could do better than that, but they had a couple songs on that first record that were really fantastic. Um, So what I found was a guy named Ray Castro, uh, and he he has a a band, a a collective, I guess, if you will, called Conjunto Clásico, which uh, is kind of playing the traditional older style Cuban jazz. And he collaborated with a vocalist because he's a percussionist. He, He collaborated with a vocalist named Rafael de Jesus. Uh-huh. And they put an album called Sensaciones, and I heard the title track, and I thought, "This, this is it. This is the one." Yeah, oh. I, my search is over. Uh, so, you know, before <laughs> we, uh, you know, went to record, I wanted to read up a little, tell you a little about him. Turns out he's from New York City. So, <laughs> fuck me. Um, now I don't know. I'm assuming his maybe is maybe I don't know first generation American. I don't know. I mean, surely he's Cuban, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, they're they're based out of New York, so I feel like a bit of a fraud. <laughs> but Cheater. I don't know if you're gonna find any more authentic sounding uh, Cuban music than this. So uh, yeah, let's let's listen to Sensaciones. Hoy cantarles yo quiero a toditos los rumberos del ayer y a los de hoy que no 
This is actually a little flashier than I, I think I prefer my Cuban music, but um, wh- how old is this? Uh, it's not really that old. I think it might even be from this millennium. I want to say maybe oh, 2002. Really? Oh, gotcha. I, I couldn't, it was like, I'm like, I was just sitting here thinking like, well, it must be 1958 or something. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that, that's the whole point, I guess, of the Conjuntos Clásicos. They want to, you know, kind of uh, stick to that traditional sound yeah or, or some tradition of something yeah well and that's not bad i it's uh it, it, you know what it's just that i think i think i've just seen too many movies where this sounds too familiar <laughs> um and this is just there's no accounting for taste but i think my taste puts me more in the direction of more of a I guess like a full, like the folkier end of the Cuban spectrum, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. I'm, well, I'm really quibbling, aren't I? Uh, no, that's great. That's fine. Well, Sensacionist. That's, that's not, fine. That's not, well, that's not fine. That's better than fine. <laughs> well, I just want to say a little tip for you and for anyone listening out there. If you want to see me dance, you get me sloppy <laughs> drunk. You put on some either some some rock steady, some ska, or some of that, and you're gonna regret it. <laughs> I feel like that's that's fine because. Uh, uh, that's okay because most people, I think, you just need to get them sloppy drunk. <laughs> that's it. I mean, I don't. So. I, you said you know los uh, los fabulosos Cadillacs made you want to dance. That that music, I can't listen to that without feeling like there's like my hips start stirring against my will, and I'm like, stop it. Yeah, stop it. And you know, this reminds me a lot of one of my also rands, which is Harry Belafonte. Oh sure, yeah. He's got uh, he's got a bunch of Calypso records that are really great. Um, Oh, you know, we'll get into it in the also rands. I, I'm going to jump to my number one since we're we're nice and tight so far. Yeah. Um, my number one is an artist named Yusu Endur. Uh, that's, <laughs> I'll spell it, uh, Y-O-U-S-S-O-U, Yusu, and then Endur is N apostrophe D-O-U-R. And if that sounds French, that's because this is uh, an artist from Senegal. Okay. Uh, otherwise known as Western Africa, where they speak French. Um, I didn't even realize this. I've been listening to this guy for 10 years, and uh, I did not realize, I don't think, uh, even once that he was singing in, in uh, French. <laughs> so hmm. he's been making music his, pretty much his whole life. He started a band when he was 19 that was actually really successful. Uh, he's contributed to Paul Simon's records, Peter Gabriel's records, uh, he's toured with Springsteen. Um, he's even spread his wings to do African opera. Uh, Yusu Endor is an international star who has recorded 34 albums in his lifetime. And uh, I'm, I, I haven't seen this recently, but I know I read this at some point. He's essentially Elvis of Africa. I believe uh, it. Have yeah. you, you've never heard of him, yeah? No. Mm-mm. So None Such Records put out a trio of his albums in the early 2000s. And the one I came across somehow came out in 2007. It's called Roku Miraka, which means give and take. There's a song, uh, a much later cut, like almost the end of the album, called uh, Gel, uh, X-E-L. 
And um, it, it, we're, we're, going, we're just sort of swinging back to the addictiveness of, of certain sounds. There's a locked-in groove and an amazing percussion uh, rhythm section going on in this song. And I, I, was, I was sort of debating whether or not I should tell this story. So in 2008, I had broken up with someone uh, who was really toxic. And, um, you know, even looking back on it now with, um, with some, some uh, much more apt perspective, I didn't realize how fucked up that relationship was. But at the time, it was almost like I, it was the first time I was ever really an adult. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I had sort of leaned on friends and roommates and sort of stayed in like an arrested development through most of my 20s. In my late 20s, I sort of, I sort of leaned on the, this toxic girlfriend. And when I finally broke free from her, <laughs> almost for the last time, I, I found myself just doing whatever I wanted. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're an adult with a job and you can just go places and do things. And I remember going to L.A. For the, um, for the L.A. Festival of Books when they used to hold it at UCLA. Beautiful spring day. And, and, and I can't remember why you sue endure came on, uh, but it was perfect for my mood, for the season, for the day. Uh, it's, it's just strange, but it's, it's, a, it's a testament to the power of music, I think. That, and, and when I think about us doing this show, if I can do one thing, it's, 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 it's testify to the, I, I still remember that day. It was just a random Saturday that I drove to L.A. and went to a festival with a bunch of books. And and it just, that song hit me so hard in such a good way that I cannot listen to this song and not think of that that spring day. And it, it just, um, it brings it all back home for me. But uh, anyway, this is Yusu Endure, the Elvis of Africa. <laughs> Have you listened to this yet? <laughs> It's sort of the song, sort of normal, and that's dot dot. <laughs> you know, the clapping with the drum beats. It just gets me every time. Did you dig that? I, well, here's the thing. I, uh, I, th- I think it's oh boy. pretty good. Uh, but, <laughs> but two things. I first yeah. of all, I can tell. I see, I see what you see in it. So I, I can tell that there's probably more from him. I would like even more than this. Uh, but the other thing, I can't believe you considered not telling that story. Oh really? <laughs> I would. I. I mean, I. I'm. I was going to be a little bit more cynical about it, but there's no way I'm going to criticize that after you telling that story because I. I can relate to that one thousand percent. It was uh, an awakening. Yeah. There's just certain uh, experiences that they hit you like that, and you just they just you know are tied to your senses forever after that. This is the second time I've thought about next week's episode. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going uh, to say. So uh, yeah, we should. We'll, we'll, we'll let everybody know kind of what's going on next week here in a minute. But, yeah, when you started telling yeah. that story, I was like, boy, I can, I can relate to that. Oh, I relate to that, too. Oh, I relate to that, too. 
it's it's weird when you can have an experience like that just in the middle of the day. Uh, like honestly, in that moment, I, it wouldn't have surprised me if I just cried right then. You mm-hmm. know, it just it's everything's so pedestrian. It's just another Saturday or whatever, and and the right song comes on and the right combination of chemicals in your brain or whatever uh, kicks in, and you're just it, it was an awakening for me, and 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 I can't even really really define it much better than that. Mm-hmm. Well, I I had a similar experience, except mine wasn't ironically mine wasn't really tied uh, to music. Uh, but a, a similar experience where I got out of a terrible relationship and had an awakening like that. Uh, what yeah. I what I did, I, I actually, uh, I was on my own. I had split up. I saved up. I worked about 60 hours a week for a month to save up the money to take a trip to Colorado. And I, I oh. went to the Rocky Mountains all by myself. And <laughs> Oh, uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, and I did that, except it was in Utah. <laughs> I stood there at the top of the Rocky Mountains and looked out at that, and it just blew my fucking mind. And I was like, wow, yeah. man, like, this is this is it. This, You know, things are going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really alive or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, that's my number one. So where does that leave us? Well, that pretty much gets us to... The end also here. Um, do you want to do the Spotify wager right now, or do you want to kind of get into the closing a little bit first? Well, have you? Do you have also rands or? Well, I have a few. Do you I want mean, to get into it? all I have, most of my also rands were uh, were Cuban artists because I knew I wanted to have oh, Tenari okay. win right away, and Rodrigo and Gabriela. I kind of came up with towards the end once I realized there wasn't going to be anything without you know totally devoid of Western influence. Well, just for the sake of, of listeners, where where else would you have them go? To what artists? Well, like I mentioned, I mentioned Machito, who's one of the originators of of Latin jazz, Cuban music. Um, there is Ibrahim Ferrer, who's a kind of a legend. Uh, Mario Bauza is Ibrahim like, is, Ferrer was also in uh, Buena Vista Social Club. Oh, was he? Okay, see, there yeah. you go. Uh, Chico Oferil, uh, Roberto Fonseca. Um, all these are a little older people, though. If you want to get more contemporary with it, uh, there's an artist named, I believe I'm pronouncing this right, it's Daime Arosena. And she's uh, she's kind of like the hot commodity now. She's uh, from Havana. She's I believe yeah. she's already won some Grammys. And uh, she's she's got some uh, English language music, so she's kind of splitting herself between yeah. the Cuban and a Crossing little more. Over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's got a fantastic voice. I came really close to playing her, except like I said, she was a little more contemporary and I really wanted to kind of nail that like Mambo Roomba. What, what uh, I don't even know which it is. Mambo Roomba. I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> Samba. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to nail that vibe. So that's why I didn't go with her, but she is amazing. Okay. What have you got there? Uh, yeah, I don't have a ton, but I, there's a there's a collection called African Scream, uh, which is sort of like um, it ended up being not only not as good as I remember, but it, it's also hugely Western. It's it's almost like uh, '60s music just in a different continent. It's uh, psychedelic and and uh, whatnot, but um, there is some good stuff on there. Um, there's a really really good series of reggae compilations. Uh, I just think of it as the percent. <laughs> uh, uh, co- compilations because it, it, it started off 100% reggae or was it 400? Uh, and I have to look it up. Uh, oh, Dynamite, <laughs> the Dynamite series. Uh, there's 100% Dynamite, 200%, so, so on and so forth. And um, it's for it's it's ska, soul, and reggae. 
Uh, but the the one that's really good is the 400% Dynamite, which has a number of good songs and artists on there, like Prince Buster and uh, and uh, Levy, uh, Barrington Levy. But there's a King Tubby song on there I love called King Tubby Dub. Uh, <laughs> that sounds funny <laughs> saying it out loud. Uh, the Gypsy Kings, of course, Buena Vista, Harry Belafonte's Jump Up Calypso, an album from, I want to say, 58. And uh, and then there's a band from, I want to say, Mexico called Grupo Limite. Uh, they are, I mean, they're a Tejano, you know, <laughs> sort of, you know, the kind of, it's, it sort of strikes me as pop music uh, from, uh, from Mexico, but... Uh, they had this one song that one of the people I used to work with at the music store used to play all the time. Uh, it turns out it's their most it's the most well known song uh, called Te Aprovechas. <laughs> and I don't even like this type, kind of music, uh, but that that song always got me. And it means um, take advantage of me. And it's got this you know hot Latina singer singing it. And uh, and it, it just always it always wormed its way into my brain every time I heard it, and I have never forgotten it. So that pretty much does it. I think we could actually do another episode of this yeah, in another e- year easily. or so. Yeah. You know? So I won't ruin anything else. But th- those are the the marquee ones for me. Nice. Okay. So uh, who are we doing for the wager? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Who did we who did we talk about that we can actually do this for? Well, um, none of them really. We we we've done Bob Marley already. I was thinking about reggae, but I'm like, no, there's nothing. <laughs> mhm. Who do we do? Do we just pick a random? Maybe we should spin the wheel of artists and where do we land? We talked Irish songs because of uh not really Irish songs, but we talked about Rodrigo and Gabriella. We can pick an ar- Irish artist. We could do like Van Morrison or something. Oh, that actually that would work out perfectly. Have you got enough Van Morrison? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, go right ahead, buddy. Let's see. Oh, that's right. I'm almost a loser. Um, well, see, now here's here we go again, overthinking. <laughs> Do I go with the song I like the best or the song I think it's played the most? I think uh, it's an obvious choice, but yeah, you never know. Uh, well, I will resist the urge to overthink it. I'll say brown-eyed girl. Okay, yeah. I think you've, you've got me on this one because, I mean, I can think of plenty of songs uh, – but I think Into the Mystic is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Although Moon Dan- Moon Dance is probably higher, but I think Brown Eyed Girl probably trumps both of those. So I'll just say Into the Mystic for fun. And uh, can I just say that is a fantastic trio of songs? Yeah, yeah. Moon Dance I get a little sick of. Uh, yeah, it's a little played out, huh? But there's another song on that record that we played at my mother's funeral. <laughs> And I think I brought that up before too, but it's it's one of those songs where I like I can't I don't I can't do that anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it was um, uh, Cypress Avenue what we played or Sweet Thing it might have been Sweet Thing, but anyway. All right, Van Morrison. All right, the top five are uh, Sweet Thing. Oh, I'm sorry, and it stoned me, which is from Moon Dance. Sweet mm-hmm. Thing, which is from Astral Weeks. Then Moon Dance, then Into the Mystic, then Brown Eyed Girl. And you want to know how how popular Brown Eyed Girl is compared to Into the Mystic, the second place Into the Mystic? How much? Uh, 68 million Into the Mystic, uh, 253 million for Brown Eyed Girl. You know, so. I just have to say that's that's almost downright criminal because Into the Mystic is such a gorgeous song. 
It is, but Brown Eyed Girl uh, shines brighter, I guess. And I, I don't blame people. For well, it's, it's also Brown Eyed Girl's one of those songs I've never blamed people for liking. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fine song, but I think it's also the one that gets uh, played the most, like mainstream, yeah. like on TV shows and movies, and so like people who hear it have to seek it out and go find it. You know, it's true. Yeah. Well, all right. Should I get the? Uh, do you know what you want to assign me? Actually, I do. Uh, it's something I was I've been holding on to for a couple weeks. Um, it's an artist named Blood Orange. Have you heard this? Oh yeah, I've person? Heard, I have heard of them. Uh, it's a, a solo artist. His name is Devonte Hines. Oh. Okay. Uh, he is a British uh, British guy. Uh, he just put out a new record. Uh, oh God! Now see, I said, oh yeah, I've got it. I know. But no, I don't need to. I don't need any time <laughs> to was... look it up. I was just going to, well, what ah, kind of music are we I, talking here? It's kind of a, like soul, hip hop, uh, R&B, kind of a a bit of a okay. mishmash of everything. Um, Negro I, Swan? Yeah, I don't know Swan. how I forgot the name of that. I mean, how do you yeah. not remember that? Yeah, the, his new record's called Negro Swan, and it's... Um, it's all a... Uh... It's named after a Natalie Portman movie, for goodness sake. I, I, I've listened to it a few times, and uh, I don't really want to comment one way or the other. I just want to kind of see what you think of it and uh, go okay. from there next week. I'll do that. All right, everybody. Well, uh, and, and oh, actually, yeah. before you dive into that, I just want to point out you finally won. I think I, I, I feel like I went on a streak of losing uh -huh. for three weeks or more, and you've definitely had at least two weeks or more, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. We go in spurts. It's never just one and one. It's always a, a few in a row, a few in a row. Well, there you have it. All right. Where are we? Well, uh, that that does it for us, everybody. Um, congratulations. You made it to the end of another episode. Uh, I thank you. My son thanks you, whether or not you can tell uh, <laughs> yeah. please make sure and follow us on social media at the ringing ear on instagram and twitter the ringing ear is on facebook at facebook.com slash the ringing ear uh, uh don't forget to hear past episodes access our reviews because you know you want more of our opinions in your life uh please visit our accompanying spotify playlist for each episode uh, you can link directly at our um, The Ringing Ear profile on Spotify or go via killboringmusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. And all our episodes are produced by us, Jeff and Job. Our intro music, Set Guitars to Kill, was written and performed by And So I Watch You From Afar. Check them out at asiwyfa.com. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days uh, I'll get it right. Unsigned artists, don't forget to submit your stuff at killbornmusic.com to be featured in our Unsigned Artist Spotlight. Uh, we have, who do we have? The Family Feud this week, right? The Family Feud. Survey says it's The Family Feud. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a chamber pop outfit. Uh, I guess they normally perform in a group called Westminster Park. Uh, so if you want to find this track, it's at uh, westminsterpark.bandcamp.com. And now I'm going to double check that to make sure that that's the right. Yes, Westminster Park or WestminsterParkMusic.com. Um, this is a song called Oh Come On. <laughs> I forgot the name of the song, Joe. I, I think that was right. Oh Come On or yeah. Come On Now. Oh, or... It's Come On Now. Come On Now by The Family Feud. It's a uh, an anti-fascist fascist song. 
All right. Do we want to uh, clue them in a little bit as to what's coming next week or just leave it and put it on Facebook? Yeah. Next week, next week's episode, uh, we're going to be devoting it to um, music that has been ruined for us, uh, either completely or partially. But, um, you know, sort of the opposite of my Yusu Endure uh, story. We're going to talk about songs that uh, are tainted by experiences that we've been through or people we've met. Uh, where you just can't get away from the memory uh, while you listen to this that music. It's sort of uh, ruined for you in a, right. in a sense. Songs you just can't can't stomach any longer for one reason. And or then another. we're gonna then we're gonna dive right into our big October. Can't wait. Oh man, it's gonna from here on out. The rest of the year is gonna be fantastic, man. I'm I'm excited. It really is. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, to play us out, then here is "Come On Now" by The Family Feud. And so this is Joby. This is Jeff. We're reminding you to keep fighting the good fight, reject the rudimentary, (laughs) slay the simple, murder the mundane, kill the boring, and by God, be sure to keep your ears ringing. Adios! Come on!